Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello. Dave. What's up? And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start every week with good thing. So, Craig, what's your good thing this week? All right. Guys. Okay, sorry. Um, Super excited about this. Uh, I picked up the game two days ago, and I already beat it, and it is amazing. And it's Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. I was so waiting for this now i wasn't a kickstarter and uh i'm i'm i regret that i wasn't a kickstarter too you're kicking yourself i am kicking myself um i like i wanted to if i had heard about it sooner instead all i heard about was the hype around mighty number nine which i backed and then i found out about bloodstain layer i'm like man i love metrovania's I want to kickstart this too, but it was already done. Uh, anyway, can confirm. I've been watching Craig's status on Discord, and it said playing Bloodstained probably forty hours in the last. I put in hours. twenty hours in the past two days. No, twenty-four hours in the past two days. Most of it, of course, was yesterday. And um, and be reminded, this is Sunday, so that includes Friday, a day that Craig normally is supposed to be working. Yeah, so I played a handful of hours yesterday, or Friday. I played all day yesterday, um, and then I finished it up today, and it is so good. Like, it's instantly top of my favorites list. I'm I'm definitely going to be coming back to this game. Like, even though I, I full cleared the game, I didn't get all the achievements, but yeah, it's something to work for. But Did you anyway, get the upside down castle? Team, there's stuff. I don't want to <laughs> spoil it, okay. but... It, it is definitely a worthy successor to the other Metrovanias, especially yeah, the Castlevania, GBA, and DS games. Um, it just it's looked very like much from, from the streams, a little bit of streams. I didn't watch a lot of gameplay, but it looked like Satin. It, I mean, it reminds me a lot of Symphony of the Night. Um, definitely a refinement of, of the strategy. Like, just watching it, like, my first impression was, would I really like it? Because it seems slow-paced and everything, but actually playing it, it feels really good. Um, everything about it has a n- nice, nicely polished, nicely done. I mean, okay, there's a couple minor bugs, but big deal. It just came out. Uh, we're we're not talking game breaking bugs. We're talking about minor like graphical things. That's like, oh, that just happened. It's like a, a minor um, thing that will happen every now and then. Either way, so there's only one part that frustrated me, but that be- that was because I was an idiot and I needed to basically redo my equipment and do some other things back at the main hub area. Um, either way, it's, like I said, really well done. It's a Metrovania. If you like those, play it. I just played through Time Spinners, and I was going to recommend that, and I still do, but this game usurps that because it's amazing, and I need more. I really hope they make more because this one was such a So, uh, okay, someone else can go now. Uh, Dave, you're up. Speed Gaming Live 2019, October 24th through 27th, Herndon, Virginia. Live tournaments of these games and more. Cash prizes open to all. 
A Link to the Past randomizer, Super Mario Maker 2, Ocarina of Time randomizer, each with a $3,000 prize pool. More games to be announced. $100 to $500 minimum prize pool. Game suggestions are welcome, but by the time this recording comes out, they won't be welcome. So I am, for a change of pace, going to have a good thing be something that will be relevant when the episode actually comes out. So we have a, a few months before this episode actually comes out. It should be coming out probably the week before this event happens. So it'll be too late for you to buy a ticket, but you can check out the live streams. Go to twitch.tv slash speedgaming, twitch.tv slash speedgaming two, three, four, five, six, maybe seven and eight. And follow all those channels because you'll get to see all the action from the comfort of your own home. This is uh, real life, in-person tournaments of randomizers and other video games. Hopefully, you will even get to hear my voice and Craig's voice as announcers for these races. And while the tournament is going on on the mainstream, there's also going to be a side stream and I believe I'm supposed to be hosting, at least in part. I also submitted a run. I don't know if that's going to be in. You can probably check out his website, speedgaming.org, and that'll have all the info that you need. So look forward to that, guys. No, you you did a two-minute long ad for an event. We're good. Yeah, we, we got to hear most of it. It's a good thing. It is a good thing. It just felt like I was in a commercial for a moment, and I was confused and excited. And October 24th through 27th did. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, So my good thing this week is not the show psych. I love the show psych. But a specific episode of the show psych. The the musical. Uh, No, it is the season three finale episode. Uh, Spoilers for psych season three finale. If you somehow haven't seen it and still care. I don't know what kind of weird Venn diagram that is, but if you're in it, uh, maybe skip ahead like a minute. Uh, It is An Evening with Mr. Yang, which is the first of a three-part Yin and Yang serial killer. Um, It it was the season finales of 3, 4, and 5. So I just rewatched this a couple of nights ago, and it's... Okay, so... The first several times that I watched this episode, I didn't really care for it all that much because it is not, like, a good tonal fit for the rest of the show. It's a little more serious. Yeah, the rest of the show is is super goofy and silly. People people are getting murdered, sure, but there's jokes. Uh, This one is actually... It takes itself very, very seriously, and... I don't normally appreciate that in Psych, but this last time watching it, I realized that it's, while it's not like a good tonal fit for the rest of the show, it is an extremely good just episode of serial killer, police procedural, normal cop show. I know I saw this episode when it was new. Is this the one where Gus gets kidnapped? No. No. Gus does not get kidnapped. There's one where Sean gets kidnapped. No, also, not that one. This is the one where Sean's the mom time, gets kidnapped. Yeah, his mom ultimately gets kidnapped. He's following clues, like they have one, and then like someone was taken, and they have to, they have a riddle, they have to solve it. They go to the next place, right? Sean and then Gus to goof off because it helps him think because it's so serious what's happening. <laughs> I, I do remember that there was there was 
toward the end of the series, there was this arch villain that was basically Sean's Moriarty. Yeah. Originally, she was going to be it, but then it turned out that she has a mentor. And ooh. But um, I have to say, season three of Psych overall is probably my favorite of Psych in general. How many seasons were there? Very good. Se- there were eight, I think. Eight? I okay, think. I knew plus it, I the musical, like it ran plus a movie, plus there's going to be a movie part two coming out yep. soon. So that'll be fun. Very excited about that. Future, I, good thing. That might be out by the time this episode gets released. I don't know. It's coming out this soon? I think so. Oh, okay. I'll have to like look it up. I'm not going to do that right now, but yeah. So so this one episode that I didn't appreciate before and, and very recently do appreciate is my good thing. So Tori, what's your good thing? So I have two good things. Both of them are short. Uh, first, and I'm going to keep it extra short because nobody cares but me. I have a new dog, and she's amazing. We decided Phantom needed a friend, so we uh, got in touch with my buddy Ryan, who does um, dog rescue stuff in his free time. And he connected us with this uh, adorable one-year-old husky lab mix. Um, You might recall Phantom is a husky shepherd mix. So... We thought it was a good match, and she has been a good match. We've had her for about two weeks, and we named her Spirit, and she's wonderful, and the two of them are so goofy together. I love it. Tori, let me let me just jump in here, and dog news from you is always appreciated by me. I, I, I say dog news for Always, a always, always mm-hmm. want to hear about your pets. Always. If you want to bring your dogs as good things literally every week, I'm good with that. Well, I'll be sure to mention them more often then. That's meta. But my other good thing, which is something that more people than me and Mike can appreciate, is I found this music video for a band I've never heard of before. The band is called TWRP, which stands for Tupperware Remix Party. And that's weird. I've never heard of this band before. Apparently, they're Canadian. I don't know, but my good thing is specifically the music video for their song Starlight Brigade. So it's a four minute video and it is animated by somebody called Knights of the Light Table. I've never heard of them either, but it's this anime style video that tells a whole story. It's like it's like a four minute movie and it's amazing. It's got, you know, hints of like Voltron in there. Um, it's just, there's, uh, starships and they're fighting this evil empire and it's got a catchy song in the background. So if you get a chance to go watch that video, do it. It's Starlight Brigade by TWRP. Neat. I have not had a chance to watch it yet. I will do so later. So, hey Dave. That's me. I heard that you read some chapters this week. Oh, that's true. I actually started part three, The Broken Skies of the Hero of Ages by Brandon Sanders, New York bestselling Times author or something. <laughs> uh, we read uh, starting part another three. Ad. <laughs> but I think people already know who Brandon Sanderson and book are if they're listening to this podcast. They're coming in my podcast blind. They're like, I'm going to pick a random episode. I'm going to listen to this one. And look, they're all set. All right, part three, The Broken Skies, chapter 34. Ferrukami is the power of balance. 
Marsh at Central Dominant near Mount Tyrion. Wait, 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 wait. I have a quick question. Uh, What's the power of love? Curious thing. Makes one Marsh. man weak. Makes another man <laughs> sing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, it's the useless power from Captain Planet. Power of oh, that's the power of heart. Not the power no, of my Mati was a boss, and you take that back. Oh man, but like Linka or E? What was the Chinese girl's name? I do not I remember. Think it's Gi. I don't know, but in the fifth element, love is useful. Yeah, and Care Bears also. Oh, true. Alright, continue with your bullet points. I didn't mean to interrupt for that long. You absolutely meant to interrupt. You yeah, intentionally I, I meant interrupted. to interrupt. <laughs> it was going to be a quick, <laughs> stupid thing. Go on. It turned out to be a big stoops thing. Alright. Yep. I wouldn't use the word cannibalize here. Marsh is killing dudes. Killing drunk dudes isn't as fun. Hemallergy still works without immediate transfer, but it's weaker. This pretty much confirms my earring theory. Lava Town. Alright, chapter 34. So we get a lot of interesting information in all of the epigraphs for these chapters. And here, I just wrote down, Farukami is the power of balance. You will recall that Hemallergy is the power of ruin. And that Allomancy is the power of the other guy. Preservation. And Farukami's the power of balance. And, man, this is so... Okay, so... They say there's a net gain in the power of Allomancy because that comes from uh, preservation. And then Hemallergy, there's a net loss because you're taking power through somebody's heart and then that gets lost. And Farukami is the power of balance, so you get the power from yourself and then you give it back to yourself later. Makes sense. My question is... Kelsier's little speech about consequences, and that seems kind of like a a conservation of power sort of thing, and Hemallergy kind of doesn't fit in with that, unless that power actually goes to Ruin, and Ruin gets stronger whenever people use Hemallergy. So now, when, well, when you say conservation of power, right now. Dave, when you say yeah. conservation of power, I do you actually mean conservation of energy? Well, this isn't, I'm not talking about physics, I'm talking about power in the sense of, oh, this is the power of balance, this is the power of ruin, this is the power of other guy. Um, it's, but yeah, there's conservation of energy, there's conservation of momentum in real world physics, but I'm saying conservation of power to cover my skin because I said it wrong the first time. All right, on to chapter 34. Whoa! Huh? What? What? What's up? What? What speech of Kelsier's are you, are you referring to? The consequences speech. Not the I, secret speech, the consequences speech. I know the secret speech. I'm not sure about the consequences speech you're talking about. You, you know, know Spider Kelsier, Uncle Ben, great power, great responsibility. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> How could I forget that one? <laughs> there was a there's a consequences speech that Kelsier gives Vin. Go back okay. to Mistborn. You have to reread it. Yeah, but what does that have to do with hemallergy? Because if there's always consequences, there's always if something gets pushed, then something on the other side. Sure, is when he's first describing with it, right? So pushing and pulling. It's also there's also 
I don't remember if it's Vin or Kelsier, they talk about consequences in a metaphorical sense. But then also, what about this this power that's being transferred around? There can't be a total decay of power in the universe or even the planet. So that power has to go somewhere. And I wonder if it's actually making Ruin stronger. I also wonder if Allomancy, in some weird way, actually makes Preservation stronger. But I'll hold, I'll hold on to that. That's it takes okay. power away. Unless, well, it takes power away from. It says it uses the power of preservation, but does that mean preservation is actually losing power whenever well, people actually, use? Actually, the element? quote is it's of preservation. That's specifically. Yeah, it's of preservation, but it also says that it draws from the power of preservation. Anyway, that's. There's a lot to talk about this week, so let's move on. Okay, chapter 34. So Marsh is at the central dominance close to Luthadel near Mount Tyrion, uh, named after Tyrion Rin, the king of Stormwind from World of Warcraft. And this is one of the ash mounts in the planet, of the planet schedule, on the planet, around the planet, to the planet. And just a real quick note, uh, Sanderson throws out this word cannibalize. He talks about how the citizens are cannibalizing houses to get wood for a fire. I appreciate using the word because I got a chance to look it up and see what it meant. I disagree with its use here, but I do like that I got to learn a new use of the word cannibalize. So cannibalize would be a process that I would previously have called Frankensteining. Uh, you take like parts from an old broken down car and use it to new car. Yeah. Uh, you're not taking, you're not taking wood from a house to burn it for fuel. I don't, I don't think that, that, that it's quite the same idea. Maybe it's a regional thing because I am familiar with this term used in this way. And it, it was completely normal to me. Well, I'm from the same region and I'm also aware of it. So I guess I just don't, uh. Uh, I don't know. All right. Well, but you were aware of it because you read books by people from Utah. I'm Utah. aware of a lot of vocabulary <laughs> because I read a lot of books. It's it's a great way to expand your vocabulary. I don't. Okay. You just read ha- Harry Potter, Wingardum <laughs> Leviosa. Well, Wingardum. There we go. <laughs> Got it in. It's, uh, it's like I can learn s- small bits of things about mythological creatures, except that Brawling just made a completely new creature and used a name of an existing mythological creature. And then I can learn about, like, lava slugs as well. <laughs> By reading and right. last ended squirt. Alright, so Marsh is killing dudes. He's still holding on to a, a little bit of lucidity here, but he's kind of holding it back so that preservation... Oh, other dude. The other other dude. So that Ruin doesn't notice that he is still aware, is still holding on for that part where he can rebel. And uh, Marsh is under the impression, not not confirmed yet, but Marsh is under the impression that Ruin can read his thoughts. And so Ruin is like 95.5% in charge here. Marsh just has that shadow of lucidity still hanging around. So he's having fun killing dudes, but he shows up to kill a dude, and the dude's drunk, and Marsh is a little upset, and would like to wait for the guy to sober up so he can see the the fear in his eyes as he kills him. And what Marsh does is he drives, well, the guy is, I think, 
I don't remember if he's unconscious or just in a stupor, but Marsh drives a spike through his heart and mentions how this spike now has hemallergical power. It doesn't have to go directly into the recipient of the power. It's a, it's going to be weaker because it hasn't been done that way. But this backs up my earring theory that I mentioned on the last episode when it was just me and Mike. Uh, I'll just real quick for Craig and Tori and for the sake of people listening live, if you haven't heard, my theory is that Vin's earring has hemallergical power that came from the Lord Ruler because I sort of remember at one point they said Lord Ruler was impaled through the heart. So somebody took that spear that went through the Lord Ruler's heart and somewhere down the line it eventually became Vin's earring. That's my earring theory. And Lava Town because the mountain's erupting. Okay, that's chapter 34. Now I have to say like a Marsh chapter we're going to get a lot of like it's it's the beginning of a new part so I feel like there is a lot of information to unpack there but mm-hmm. I think for of course the sake of the episode we're going to move on cuz you summarized it pretty well. Yeah, and you can talk about the stuff that I was so insightful to realize and the stuff that I was so foolish to assume later on. Um, right. I mean, uh, it looks like Fel Knight brings up a good point, but what are you, well, you can't see his point because it's in a different channel, but like, what are your thoughts of Marsh? Like, you, you we've seen him, we followed him from the first Mistborn book, like well... He's doing what he can, and he is at least planning to come up in a clutch moment toward the end. So, I I believe in him. I believe that he will accomplish his goal to thwart ruin at a critical moment. Okay. But I won't see it coming. Okay, chapter 35. Breeze hates dirty work. Spook visits Dern. Dern knows who Spook is. Dern wants to help Quillian. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Dern wants to help quell Quillian. Spook squeals on Breeze. Spook and <clears throat> Kelsier are getting chummy. Miley. Spook gets survivor complex. Alright, we have here. Breeze and Sazed and Spook hanging out in a tavern and Spook has his own agenda and he wants to get away from the group and Breeze is like I'll come with you and Spook is like it's gonna get dirty and Breeze is like I hate dirty work I'm gonna stay here so Spook gets off on himself by himself and he visits Dern and of course now he has the the power of pewter and he easily gets past Dern's guards and enters into a room where Dern is teaching his crew how to cheat at gambling and Dern's like it's okay guys get out of here I'm going to talk to this guy and Dern knows who Spook is Spook wasn't very secretive he was kind of flaunting money around and Dern easily figured out that Spook was part of Kelsier's crew everybody thought that Spook had died burnt you know burned down in that building so Dern starts Dern was trying to use Spook as fuel for hatred against Quellian. You know, oh, this guy was part of Kelsier's crew and Quellian executed him. And oops, Spook is alive. <laughs> and here he is at Dern's doorstep. So Dern wants to help Quell Quellian. 
you know, the black market isn't as profitable with somebody as stringent as Quellian. So Dern wants to take him down for his own purposes. He's a hero of his own story, of his own story. And I really, I don't like what Spook does here. <laughs> so Spook wants to, he kind of wants to build up his mystique. So he doesn't want to be the go between, between Dern and Breeze. He's like, oh, go to this tavern in in the dregs and you're gonna find a guy who kind of stands out he's a soother his name is breeze you should send your informants to him i think that's moronic you could have you could have gotten some kind of description for breeze and had you know still fulfilled your purpose of you know you want dern to pass along the breeze and have breeze be the middleman instead of spook be the middleman Without going ahead and revealing that Breeze is a soother. That was kind of moronic. Well, it could be like a, a trust-building type thing. By giving him a bit of information about your personal co- cohorts, it sort of builds yeah. trust. Like, hey, here's a bit of information that's not necessarily private. Okay. It's, not, it's not private that Breeze is a soother. Like, that's, but but why does well he known. trust Dern? It's not well-known in Urto. Well, not in their time. I meant in like for general. Actually, they know quite a bit about the uh, the survivor and his crew. I, I think guess. Breeze is well known, like what he does, because he runs a crew of soothers and rioters. Eh, maybe I think that was information that Spook gave away for free that he shouldn't have. I, I, I never got the impression that what Breeze is and does is secretive. Um, but he just tends to be in the <laughs> background because that's what I he mean. Likes. Breeze doesn't either, and nor does he want to be. Right. Also, you should keep in mind that Spook is a dumb teenager. That's my point. Spook's a dumb teenager, and yeah. he's 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 seeking. He's being glorious. I think is the word. So what you're saying is that he was written well and is a consistent character. Good job, Brandon. Yeah, <laughs> just like Vane. <laughs> yeah. What does being glorious mean? That would be a perfect time for Tori to chime in. Yeah, librarian. Vainglory. Inordinate pride in oneself or one's achievements. Excessive vanity. Nah, that's more Kelsier. This is somebody that trying to attain like vainglory. Handsome disease. Handsome, handsome disease. This is what Spook is more trying to at- obtain vainglory. But anyway, so Spook and Ruin. Come on, it's Ruin. Are getting a little chummy. Spook's kind of conversing with him. And then a dude shows up. We learn his name next chapter. But uh, his little sister, I think he's seven or something. Her little sister is found out by Quellian. They are of noble blood. And Quellian is going to execute this little girl, Maylee? Miley? I don't want to say Miley. I'm going to call her Maylee. And Maylee is about to be burned down with one of the noble houses and spook gets survivor complex. He's like, I can save everybody. And that's the end of chapter 35. Sounds pretty good. Everyone ready for chapter 36. It's getting good. I'm extremely oh, so ready, ready for ch- chapter 36. But first you have to tell me what you thought of chapter 35, Mike. It was all right. Not in my it top 35 of chapters of this book. <laughs> Got him. All right, chapter 36. Uh, a lot of notes from the epigraph in this chapter. Steel spikes give physical ability, talking about hemology. Pewter spikes give 
ferrochemical healing. Is the plug spike the healing one? Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Can you only get one ferrochemical power per spike? So we have, we talk about how the spikes are derived, you know, we we figured out hemallergy at least to some extent at this point. We get a lot more detail about the science of hemallergy here, or hemallergy. And I, what have I been saying? It doesn't uh, matter. You have been saying hemallergy, and the audiobook uh, pronounces it as hemallergy. Hemallergy. All right, I'll try. So, so, so like allergy versus not wait, allergy. Wait. Have I been saying it right this whole time? <laughs> I don't believe that. <laughs> no! Okay. Don't, don't take this moment away from me. Uh, I'm going to move on here. Uh, from the book, from the epigraph, about midway through chapter 36. For example, all of the original Inquisitors were given a pewter spike, which, after first being pounded through the body of a ferrucamist, gave the Inquisitor the ability to store up healing power. So, ferrucamy is not like allomancy. People that have the power of Farukami have the power of Farukami, and from the examples we've seen so far, can access all of the powers, all of the metals. And it seems like they're only getting the power of gold through this process of hemallergy. Hemallergy. And <laughs> no, and, you and, get it. Right? Uh, <laughs> and the inquisitors. In the, in the time of Lord Ruler, apparently we're only getting the power of gold. So it might have something to do with the type of metal being used or the position of the spike, as as we see in this epigraph. Both are important. So, And, and we've also definitely seen, I'm going to say definitely, seen an Inquisitor use ferrochemical speed, which is a different metal. So I'm guessing that he had to have gotten a different spike with the speed power in addition to the gold one that he started out with before this book started. Anyways, so my questions regarding this are, what power does bronze transfer? What power does gilded silver transfer? And you know why I'm asking those questions. Is it the power because of you love clouds? gilded silver. <laughs> gilded. All right, chapter 36 proper. We want all of your spikes to be gold-plated and lowered. <laughs> Will Elend get too attached to the denizens of Hadric City? Set is worried about Alarian. Demo is up and about. Barely. Are the missed attacks punishment for lack of faith? Think face emoji. Yeoman has a good point. Think face emoji. During a ball, defenses might be more porous. Demo tries to resign. What's the significance of the number 16? Hint, I know exactly what it is. Demo's self-pity is getting in the way. Is the mist attacking the strong of faith? Shouting. Alright, so this is a talky scene with Ellen and Set. And Set betrays a little bit of worry about his daughter, which is really nice to see. And I meant to mention this before, but I figured out why Alrian is in love with Breeze. And that's because Breeze is fun to annoy, just like her father. So you know that Ham always got a kick out of teasing Breeze, and actually really all of Kelsier's crew kind of did, and it was fun. And Set's kind of the same way. You kind of bug him a little bit, and it's fun. 
And, you know, Elrian wants to find a guy just like dear old dad, and that's at least one thing that Breeze and Set have in common. I'll let Tori chime in on this. She's an IRL girl. Hey, my husband is nothing like my dad. But, right, so. not not a hard rule but it's a it's general like you know i yeah i mean i've heard people say that yeah that girls look for a guy like their dad uh dave yeah maybe you would like to stop digging this hole no well never mind I, all I right help. dig yourself deeper uh dave making generalizations about what women want is entirely his own opinion and not the opinion of anyone else on the podcast, necessarily. I, sh- I straight up said that it's not a hard and fast rule. No generalizations no, no, no. are true. Keep, keep digging. Here, have this shovel. Set is worried about Alrian. Okay, so Demo is up and about, barely. He's <laughs> he's still sick. And what, what Demo reports to Ellen is that we already learned 16% of everybody, exactly 16%, gets sick, gets attacked by the mist. And out of those, 16% get sick longer than the other 84 that have gotten sick? Or did I get that backwards? Either way, there's more significance with the number 16. <laughs> and the theory going around in the camp is that people that are weak in faith, people that don't trust in the survivor of Hathson, are being punished more severely by the mist. Because, of course, Kelsier is Lord of the Mist. And Yeoman has a good point. So, Ellen is thinking back to his conversation with Yeoman, the obligator that has control of Fadric City, and he's like, yeah, you know, I kind of have been a jerk. And there you have it. And so, Seth is worried that Ellen is getting too attached to the people of the city. Ellen doesn't want to kill anybody if he doesn't have to, but the future of the world is at stake. And he wants to he wants to be new Ellen who saves the world, but he also wants to be the Ellen that cares about everybody. And he says during a ball defenses might be more porous. I just like that line. I I didn't like the use of the word cannibalize, but I'm probably wrong about that as Mike and Craig have pointed out. And I, I liked the use of the word porous here. Defenses might be porous. There might literally and figuratively be, I guess not literally, or it could be like holes in the defense. Porous. I like it. Anyway, so they might try to have Vin sneak into the storage cache on a night that there's a ball. So Demo wants to resign because he feels like he's being punished by Kelsier. So what's the significance of the number 16? I'm going to push that. After the chapter summaries, when we go into Theory Town, and Helen says, Demo, your self-pity is getting in the way. You're one of the strongest in faith that we have. You're so strong in faith. You're really strong in faith. Uh, there is no connection of faith strength with the percentage of people that are staying sick longer. And then he thinks to himself, but wait, I don't know anything about the strength of the faith of the others. So he thinks maybe, you know, maybe it's the, sh- the people that are strong in their faith are being attacked. Eh, whatever. Anyway, shouting starts and that all gets interrupted and we go right into chapter 37 from Vin's perspective. Chapter 37. We'll go right into it, just like I said. Chapter 37. Vin is asleep. It's copper in time. I need to think of a better catchphrase. Copper isn't that threatening. Coloss assault? Coloss have been demimated. Yeoman has a mistborn. 
Vin gets to play with 1,000 Kolos. Human notices they have too many swords. Kids don't play with too many swords. Vin chases human to triage camp. Kolos are made by pinning skin to a human with hemallergic spikes? Okay, so we get some uh, Kolos info toward the end of this chapter. It starts off with Vin being asleep, a rare sight indeed. And she gets woken up by all the clamor of Yeoman's army attacking the camp. And they, Vin, this was actually a distraction. Yeoman was actually, his target was the Kolos army. And he takes them down from 20,000 Kolos to 10,000 Kolos. So they're not decimated. They're not reduced by 10%. They're demi-mated. They're reduced by 50%. So Vin confirms that, well, she tells Ellen, you know, oh, Yeoman has a Mistborn on his side. Okay. And uh, Ellen gives over 1,000 of the remaining Coloss to Vin. So she has her pet human and human notices that they have too many swords. So they don't really have this concept of how many people there should be other than how many swords they have. And it's mentioned that you can control the population of Kolos by controlling the number of swords. So, oh, we have swords, so we need to go make more Kolos to use all these swords. Okay. So, Human says, all right, make more Kolos for us. And what they do with the fallen Kolos is they they tear all of the skin off of the fallen Kolos. And I I think that they actually make Kolos out of human beings. It's it's kind of Kolos or a human is going to the triage camp trying to find injured people to make into the Kolos. And it's I, I don't know if the hemallergic spikes hemallergic. I don't know if the spikes are mentioned explicitly, but I kind of get the idea that you make a Kolos by taking the skin and using hemallergically charged spikes to pin it to a person that's that's what it seems like i don't know a little a little fuzzy we're left to fill in some of the blanks here and that's what we learn at the end of chapter 37 any questions yes did you see what i posted the mill rolled an 18 percentile faith strength oh 18 zero that's some second edition stuff right there <laughs> darn right it is that's- that's right, you get a percentile roll if you get an 18 on your ability score. 18 double-aught faith strength at character creation. Nice. Now, if he were an orc, he could have had a 19 starting, but, you know, not every DM lets you play an orc. Dude, I remember how big of a difference it is between 18 and, like, what, like, the first 10% or something stupid like that? And then th- there's a big jump between that and, like, getting a perfect 100%. Is stupid. I had to re-roll so many times when I played Baldur's Gate. Yep, Um, Baldur's Gate, re-rolling for literally hours to get both an 18 double-aught strength and enough other stats that you can sort things out so that your character isn't completely terrible. Yep. I'm a point by. I'm a fan of point by. I I don't like heavy RNG in character creation that has permanent impact on the game. Unless... Unless you're doing it for heavy role-playing, then you get to kind of fit it in. That's kind of like the great thing about rolling for your stats in order, is that 
you let the dice decide who you're the base of your character, and then you get to play that out. So like r- rolling for stats and th- the more randomness there are in stats, it's fun for role playing, bad for mechanic. Well, file your complaints with Baldur's Gate, you know, twenty years ago, and and there you go. What's what's All our right, next uh, the chapter? Pit- if it were 20 years ago, I'd go say hi to Gary Gygax himself. Speaking of the chapter. Okay. So what, so did, what in, do you think about this revelation? Pretty oh, cool. Pretty, pretty gruesome. Cool. And gruesome. So, yeah. I think you saw it coming. No. No? I I underst- I guessed correctly more about Chondra nature than I did about Colossus nature. But then we're given more information about Chondra as well. And we're going to get to that in a couple chapters. True. We have that coming up. All right. Well, let's let's continue. All right. Chapter 38. I say chapter? Chapter 38. Hemallergy. Did I, what, just, did I get just it right? Say it. Just say whatever way you like. Hemallergy takes the power of preservation within a person. So it, there's some kind of ability or power or maybe sentience within a person that's part of preservation and hemallergy takes that bit of preservation that's in a person and transfers it into a spike i don't know that's the epigraph like i said we had a lot of little tidbits in the epigraphs this week all right so back to the uh, chapter this is where we actually learn the name of the guy whose little sister has been sentenced to death his name is franson spook and franson is is the bullet point. Ten cups, nine skulls. Dang it, dude. We gotta do another take on that. Spook and Franson. <laughs> Ten victims, nine skulls, no cups. What the cup is at the bar with Breeze? And then we cut to his with Breeze. And Sazed and Sazed isn't drinking his drink, but he appreciates the gesture from the person who bought him a drink. So Sazed thinks that it's weird that Ska go out at night here in Erto. Also, he says Lord Breeze instead of Master Ladrian. I don't remember if he actually used the name Breeze in front of other people. Maybe he only called him Ladrian when it was the Inner Circle people. Anyway, Bartok, Survivor of the Flames. So, uh, first half of the chapter is from Spook's perspective. He goes into one of the burnt-down burnt buildings and... Remember that Dern told him to count the skulls. Nine skulls. However, he recalls that there were ten people that were paraded into this house. So, ten people go in, nine die. Where's the other guy? So, this is information that he's going to try to use to help him save Melee. And then we go to Breeze, drinking a cup of drink. This is Sazed's part here, and talking, and talking, and... Uh, it, we have an offer from one of these bar patrons. They're going to introduce Sazed and Breeze to the survivor of the flames, who Sazed first thinks is a reference to Kelsier. And then they say, no, no, this is a new survivor in, in the spirit of Kelsier. This is the survivor of the flames. And Sazed would very much like to meet this survivor of the flames, whoever it might be. I have no idea. That's the end of chapter 38. Hey, that reminds me. Do you ever see Bruce Wayne and Batman at the same time? I, it's just weird, right? You never Every see them at the same time. Every time I look time? at them, 
every time. <laughs> Alright, so. Oh, and on, on oh, your on. pronunciation. However you feel like saying it is right, but however Craig says it is wrong. Officially. <laughs> oh, relativism. Okay. Chapter... Like, I just keep getting the things wrong, regardless of you guys correcting me, so you, you just roll with it. Like, it's just gonna happen. But it's also hemolurgy. Got him. <laughs> now you guys can't say it that way. Take that, internet. Chapter 39. Shards. That's the only thing I wrote down from the italicized portion, because that's where, what we're really here for. Something, something, something about shards. Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast 2019. Okay, and we get our <laughs> first ten soon chapter of chapter 39. Oh, yeah, best guy. I mean, our, chapter 39 is our first. Ten, I got that take right so many times, and now this is all going to be on the recording at release, isn't it? This is our first ten soon chapter of part three of The Hero of Ages by Brandon Sanderson, New York book guy. And selling so when a random listens to a random episode, <laughs> they're going to start in a random <laughs> position, and he's going to be so glad it was right here. Because like, oh, that's who we're talking about. Yeah, we're talking about a shard guy. Yeah. I'm not even... It's, shards didn't Sanders shard. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 39, 10 soon, let's go. <laughs> Presence, <laughs> potency, stability, that's awareness. So <laughs> Ten soon's hidey hole. Looks like half past nine is time to find Vin. Okay. Short chapter, because it's a ten soon chapter, so whatever. Uh, we learn the four different blessings of the Chandra are presence, potency, stability, and awareness. We know that Ten soon has the blessing of presence. We know that Ursula had the blessing of potency, and that Ten soon took it from him. But why doesn't he have it anymore? Well, it turns out he hid it behind a rock, and he's come back to get it. So now, Tansoon is going to have the power of presence and power of potency. And, uh, well, here's the thing about these Conjure Blessings. They're hemorrhagical spikes. So I, I hope that Ruin doesn't uh, get in here and... Uh, what's that thing that he does to everything? Ruin it? Oh, no. Why did you have to say it? Find secret stuff sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) So, I kind of threw this out here last week. The Contra Blessings are physical, literal, hemological spikes. And Mike got a little freaked out, I think, that I, I I got a lucky guess on that one. But you actually need two spikes per blessing, apparently, for whatever reason. And this actually is, I guess, is how Conjure actually come into existence. They have to, they get these blessings because they start out as myth wraiths, and then Lord Ruler would give, you know, they would make a request to Lord Ruler how many Conjure they need for the next generation. Dun, 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 okay. And then Lord <laughs> Roller I, makes them out of mist wraiths. And so maybe Lord Roller didn't actually make the mist wraiths themselves, but gave them sentience by giving them hemological spikes that were made from humans. So I don't know. All right. And I also, just, well, okay, that's chapter 39. 
it's time to find Vin. Vin Tensoon gets his blessing of potency that he hid behind a rock, the ones he got from Orsor, which I like this. I, I kind of questioned why he still had the blessing of presence, but not the blessing of potency. And this is why, because he hid the blessing of potency behind a rock instead of taking it back to the homeland with him. As you and I, I guess that they didn't take blessing of presence away from him because then he wouldn't have the sentience to suffer the punishment that they have. So it, it all, it makes sense. I like it. And that's the end of this week's chapter. All right. Let's kick Is Dave off. We got nothing it's else to talk no, about. We no, we can't kick Dave time. off because he needs to explain to us that the number 16 isn't I just know, what you I get know. if you add one plus 15. <laughs> what do you get when you multiply six by nine? 42. Okay. All right, so theory time. Quick mini theory. I I think that in the time of the Lord Ruler, if they found a Ska with the power of Allomancy, they would actually take that Ska and use him to make a hemolytical spike. That's, which is, you know, they think, oh, well, we can't let this power, we can't let the Ska propagate this power. Well, I think it's because the Ska were expendable. And this is what they expended them on. That was a mini theory. And now we're ready. Are we ready to ch- talk about sixteen? I'm excited to talk about sixteen. I'm excited to listen about sixteen. Okay, yes, so. I'm so excited. All right, what's the significance of the number sixteen? Nothing. I think Ellen and company have it backwards. They shouldn't be looking at the sixteen percent who fell sick. They should be looking at the 84% who stayed healthy. So what's the significance of the number 84? Well, what element is number 84 on the periodic table? Everyone should know that the answer is polonium. Polonium is, of course, highly radioactive, so a Mistborn wouldn't be able to burn it. But polonium was discovered in the 19th century by Marie Curie and her husband, Pierre. 19th century which takes us to 19, which is, of course, the atomic number of potassium. And what's the atomic symbol for potassium? K, the 11th letter of the alphabet, which takes us to element number 11, sodium. Fascinating element, sodium. Did you know sodium only has one stable isotope? That's right, sodium 23. 23 is the number for vanadium, which has four syllables. Four syllables takes us to the fourth element on the periodic table, which is beryllium. And here's where it gets good. A well-known quality of beryllium is that it doesn't oxidize at normal temperatures. You have to increase the temperature or burn it to make a beryllium oxide. And we all know what's the main ingredient of an oxide. Oxygen. The atomic weight of which is 16. So if you take away 16%, the remainder is 84%, and you may recall that the element with the number 84 is polonium. And yes, I know the logic loops around a little bit, but we're almost done. As I said, polonium was discovered by Marie Curie. Did you also know that it's named after her home country of Poland? So how many provinces are there in Poland? Actually, none. It was a trick question. Nice try, Brandon, but I shan't fall off the trail so easily. You see, Poland isn't broken up into provinces. It's broken up into regions called voivodeships. Now, how many ships are there in Poland? 16. So, what's the significance of the number 16? The astute reader will realize, or perhaps the astute Cosmere Deep Dive podcast listener will remember, that Titanianitumatum is the 16th allomantic metal. And there you have it. This is 
preservation or the misspirit, if they're even different entities, trying to get Ellen and everybody in the world basically to hone in on this number 16 because he wants them to realize that there are 16 alimantic metals. A fact which I knew as soon as we found out there were 11. Why would there be 11? There's 16. I said it like two weeks into this this series. And this is it. This is preservation. 16, guys. 16. And someone, it's going to be probably going to end up being Vin, uh, is going to realize, oh, 16. That means there are 16 alimantic metals. They know about 14. Slash 15. They're, they have the basic metals, the eight basic metals, atium, melatium, gold, electrum, that's 12, uh, aluminum, duralumin, 16, whatever the metal, I called it titanium, the metal that Ellen uh, consumed to become a mistborn. And then that metal is going to have an opposite, the 16th alimantic metal, which is somehow going to contain the clue of defeating preservation. No! Ruin. I was doing so. The eleventh well. medal, the sixteenth medal, titanium. I think this rivals your Doxandra theory. All right, Dave, I need you yeah. to leave immediately so we can have a very, very short spoiler section because I need to stop recording. It's getting late. All right, take care, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Bye, Dave. Spoiler Bye. time is. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. Now he's gone. Hooray. Okay, he got the right answer by going entirely the wrong way the entire time. What? You know he was joking, right? I actually stopped listening like halfway through. Dude, it's so good, though. He does this goofy, like, conspiracy theory type thing. Uh, I was looking forward to reading it, but we got to hear it from the man himself. And then you would have heard me pronounce things like polonium and avoid chips or whatever that is. The the Polish provinces that are not actually provinces, apparently. And Gnordin, because he actually put that in the in the blurb originally just to make me say it. So, yeah, that would have been fun. But yes, he, that was a joke. Really, the number is 16, and he sees it's 16, and he figured it was 16 ages ago when he made his nice little chart. Yeah, back, clearly, back in book one, he was like, yeah, there's 16. Now, the downside is he's wrong about what the 16 medals are, but he doesn't know that. Um, well, we don't has, even know this at the time. Yeah, he, he has no way of knowing what the full 16 medals are, because... Two of them weren't. Yeah, getting the number 16 is the important part for this. Like, there's going to be four we don't even hear about until era two. Um, so, like, substituting in ATM and MALATM, that's fine. Um, I, I assume they always existed. Now, there was something that sort of bothered me. Uh, which is that in if you look at like words of Brandon back when this book first came out, he or, or right before Era Two, the the Alloy of Law came out, he's mentioning how the the metals, uh, ATM and MALATM, how they didn't quite work as opposites of gold and electrum. 
And I meant to think about this before the episode, and now you're just going to hear my my rambling. Um, at the time, I'm like, you know, it sort of makes sense the way ATM works as like a like it's similar to gold, only it's the future instead of your past. But instead, we have cadmium and bendeloy, which makes a bubble of time slowing down and speeding up. And how is that related to gold and electrum? Well, more to the point, electrum is now the extra weird one. Like, gold worked with malatium, electrum yes. worked with um, atium. Yes, exactly. But now, See, now they're weird. It sort of made sense, but the thing is, I have to think about what this means. Because So, gold and electrum are internal. They're your own body, right? So, therefore, the thing that would be related to them, so these are temporal metals. They affect, they, they have to deal with time in some way. So if you do your internal self, when you burn gold, you see your past self, but it's not your past. It's what would have happened if you made a different choice in your past. And the people talking about it, because there there is a chapter in Alloy of Law where Miles burns it so he can see himself. And, and you see both like perspectives like you are the same person for a moment you have have not the same thoughts but you have your thoughts uh if you would have been that person it's really weird and electrum is just you see a future shadow like you could it's sort of like i guess what happens in six of the dust is similar where where you see outcomes um so it's somewhat similar but it's still so it's internal it affects yourself so therefore, the external version, what we actually have, cadmium and bendeloy, is that it just externally affects time with a bubble, rather than changing other. So, so uh, atium shows someone else's future, right? Because it shows where they're going to, well, what choices they're making, and and where they're going to be in the future. So it's it sounds like it'd be similar to Electrum, but in reality, the metal that goes with it is the one that lows down time, right? It's weird. I don't know. The the hints that's, that Brandon gave were that if people thought about these metals, they would have seen ATM and malatium don't quite fit with gold and Electrum. And then people would have gotten a hint that there's different temporal metals that actually exist. And then we have God metals, which is a separate category. Uh, are you guys still here? Because I feel like I'm just I'm talking to myself. I'm still here. I'm, I'm, I'm sort here. of having a conversation in spoiler discussion with Fel Knight. Oh, well. Which I guess I um, could bring to, uh, to, to the podcast. Uh, all right. He was just wondering if Miles was a gold savant or just highly skilled more than any other Allomancer. And if he was, does gold offset the savant negatives? Um, which I countered with, I'm almost certain he's not a gold savant, if only because Brandon is rethinking how savantism should work. Okay, uh, I then, agree, but not for that answer. Uh, Miles rarely ever burned gold. He, So he burns it, but he never used it. He has to burn fair. it in order to do the compounding, but he never really turned it on and just did the gold part. He just immediately burned it to release the investiture so that way he can he can do this compounding cycle. 
All right. So, uh, in in regards to your next thing, would gold healing heal savantism? I don't think so. If only because investiture based healing is basically restoring you to how you think of yourself, and once you've become right. a savant, how you think of yourself will have changed fundamentally. It's the Lopin. He has an arm, even though he doesn't, and now he does. He never accepted that his arm was gone. Not sure. not really, not completely. It's not part of his identity. So, alright, I'm gonna cut it here, because I would like to not be recording now. Okay, well, <laughs> well, well real quick, uh, so Dave is right about the number 16 for the most part. Uh, Dave got the C about Chandra and Kolos and the Spike, and he is partially right about the earring, but he still is wrong about the source of the earring because he completely forgot Vin had a sister and his her mother killed Vin's sister. And that's why she's all bloody. And that's how the earring was made. But he'll get that revealed later on. It'll make sense. He'll be like, oh, revelation. So it'll be great. Um, I think he's got it but, in his head that Vin's mom also tried to kill Vin. Yes. And, and that's still the impression we have up to this point. And eventually, it's going to make sense. So that'll be fun to see him uh, stumble upon that in the next few episodes. So, yeah. So Dave is right about most of the things. And he, he's catching the clues. And, and this is this is really good. But there, of course, is still plenty of information out there. And he has not talked. I don't know if he did this in episodes I wasn't here. But he has not talked about the author of the epigraph. Uh, he still believes that it is Vin from when she was in the Well of Ascension. Nice. Beautiful. All right, cool. I'm I'm waiting for that revelation as well. I mean, he doesn't get anything that explicitly counters that until almost the end of the book. Yeah, eventually, well, yeah, I, we talked about it last time. There, There's a an epigraph that actually talks about Vin, and I think that's around chapter 50. So it's we'll, we'll near see. the end of the book, dude. Yeah, I know. Anyway. I'm going to stop recording, and Craig, you should stop talking, except to say goodbye. Yes, goodbye, Internet. Summarize. Goodbye, Internet. Bye, everybody. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at at CosmereCast, or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.